Hello, and welcome to God is Real, God is Good. This is Camus, and I have Jared with me here. Jared is, I've heard him described once, if you like him, you like him, if you don't, you don't. And I honestly have to say, I really like Jared, so. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. It was from Javon, so. Oh, it was from Javon. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, so, Jared, why don't you start by telling us about where you're from? All right. Um, I'm from Racine, Wisconsin, like probably a lot of people out in Idaho, which is kind of weird. So Racine, Wisconsin. Wow. What is there to say about Racine, Wisconsin? It is. <laughs> it's uh, 60 minutes north of Chicago mm-hmm. and 30 minutes south of Milwaukee. So it's kind of sandwiched in between these two big cities. And it's pretty ghetto in Racine, too. So, if you go to public school, you're exposed to a lot of things that mm-hmm. not a lot of people would normally be exposed to. Yeah. Um, growing up, I mean, is rough for some people. It's easy for others. So, I mean, that's kind of a little bit about Racine. Not much special besides that. It's a very interesting and boring place to grow up in. <laughs> So, yeah, I yeah. get that. I'm from small towns, and it's not interesting unless you live there because otherwise, you don't know what people do there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people do a lot of crazy stuff in Racine, mostly crime. Mostly crime, yeah. Well, Idaho has a drug problem, so. So, tell us a little bit about your religious background growing up. Um, so I always grew up in the church. Um, I know a lot of people say that, but like my grandfather, my great grandfather, who's uh, 98 now, um, Mm -hmm. he actually built the church that I go to. And I've been going to that church for all 23 years of my life. Oh, wow. Um, Not a lot of uh, exploration in regards to going to different churches, but Mm -hmm. um, I've, uh, you know, I felt like. Up until that point, God has uh, has been able to use me at that church. So, um, my household that I grew up in really, you know, we we followed Christian morals. Mm-hmm. We um, we did good things, um, so to speak. I mean, uh, but we really didn't bring like the Bible and like. God into our home. We, it kind of was there, but it was never uh, really discussed a lot. It was just kind of a subtle tone to how we lived at home. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the environment and the, the so, religious background. So like with that, was it like definitely like the faith of your parents? Was that something they lived out in their lives? Just something you didn't explicitly say? Or was it more like nominal christianity it was very nominal like my i know my dad i mean i can pretty much say with confidence i don't believe my dad um is a follower of christ even though he's been going to church all these years Mm -hmm. um i can with my mom though and my mom has really um like surrendered her life to christ within the past you know five or so years i can i couldn't see the growth um, 
that God has uh, given her and and how much more passionate she is about um, God. So That's cool. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. All right, so would you like to tell us a little bit about how coming from, like, this nominal Christian home, how, like, God became real to you in your life and how that came about? Mm-hmm. So throughout all this, throughout, um, like, Christ not really being the center of everything at home, mm-hmm. like, he used, like, random people, like, to to pour into my life. They're not really super random, but they, like, came into my lives at the most random times. <laughs> um, so we, uh, I don't remember how old I was, maybe... Sixth or seventh grade, we, um, our pastor left, so we got a new pastor, and, uh, this pastor, he's from Big Sandy, Montana. Oh, wow. And it's a very small town, and so he brought, um, his whole family to Racine, and his middle daughter, Caitlin, who now works at Alaka. Yeah. Um, she was around my age. So that was our youth group. Um, it was just me and Caitlin. <laughs> and sometimes Caitlin would teach the lessons to me. And it was super awkward. I remember, like, I remember exactly, like, the, the, the like, tension in the room. It was just really awkward. <laughs> because we were the only two students. But throughout this time of, like, this new pastor... Um, who really had a passion for youth ministry um, because he was um, in youth ministry before. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the amount of growth from that point to like now, well, not really now because it's kind of fell off a little (laughs) bit, but but now until like the prime of our youth days, of our youth ministry, you know, him bringing along this random guy from Idaho too. Um, his name's Chad Dillard. So um, I just remember like church being super boring, and I show up to church one day, and there's this dude. He's a bigger guy. He's super bubbly, and he has like this long curly hair with highlights in it. Oh wow. And, like, just imagine, like, as a kid seeing this guy, you're like, this guy is crazy. Yeah. So he he comes up to me and he greets me. He's like, hi, my name's Chad Dillard. Nice to meet you. What's your name? And he just started talking about it. He was super intentional Mm -hmm. um, with, like, the questions he was asking. And uh, about a month or so later, he would eventually become our youth pastor at that church. Yeah. So that's, like... God just putting another guy, another uh, strong Christian mentor into my life. Um, And then through that, um, Dakota would come along to our youth group. um, And then I met Mike, who's the director of Camp Alaka. Mm -hmm. And he was my uh, campus life leader when I was in high school. So, like, just God putting all these, like, strong Christian men into my life and, like, having uh, throughout my high school um, years and into my college years of them just pouring into me, 
uh, pouring in biblical truths in my life. Um, that is really um, what has grown me the most in my walk with Christ. Definitely. I think, like, especially when you're, like, a young kid, like, it's good to have mentors and, like, especially for guys, like, the same gender because, like, unfortunately, like, Christianity just, like, for some reason, like, it doesn't click well with guys or it's, like, harder to see these strong male leaders. And so, yeah. like, it's hard for, like, the younger generation growing up to be all that they can be without, like, an example, you know? Yeah, I can see that very evident in my church, too, mm-hmm. because... There is basically no strong men leaders in our church. Yeah. Because we have my pastor, who's at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. And then guess who's next? Me. <laughs> Which I'm like, <laughs> I feel very um, inadequate mm. to being second in like the kind of what people look up to. So I'm like... That is definitely worrisome for the church. <laughs> just um, a little bit. Yeah, just just a tad, you know. No, but it's great when you can be mentored by, like, strong people in their mm-hmm. faith, especially, like, for you being a guy like other males to, like, show you, you know, like, you can be a guy and you can be cool and, like, still have God in your life. Like, yep. That is, that is something that really Chad Dillard um, showed me is that church wasn't lame. We could have fun in youth group. We could act stupid in youth group, and we could still glorify God in doing that. So that's really what, like, ignited my um, desire to go to youth group every week, to go to church every um, Sunday, was that it was fun, and Chad Dillard made it fun. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, definitely there can be some old people that make it very old people centered. Yeah, if there's if your youth pastors, you know, fifty or something years old, not really relatable. Yeah, and they don't really have the same struggles or the same culture. Yeah, they're like back when I was a kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wait, back when the dinosaurs were there, can we just not go all the way back then? Yeah. No, that's definitely good. So. These strong men came into your life, and they kind of started mentoring you, and church became fun, and youth group became fun. So, like, mm-hmm. how did that transition with, like, your walk with God? What did that do to that? Um, let me think. So, like, my walk with God has been very unstable, I would say. <laughs> For like seven years, it was just like off and on, off and on, off and on. Mm-hmm. But I have always had those those biblical truths that they've taught me to go back to, to think. Um, so, I mean, it is, it has definitely impacted me um, in my knowledge of who God is and what the Bible says who God is because before like I didn't know a lot about God and you know even though I grew up in church and we were like coloring in the Bible story pictures yeah and like all that stuff I didn't really pay attention I didn't listen I was there to color (laughs) um weren't we all though yeah so I never really grew up like 
having like this uh, biblical backing to my knowledge, to, to like what I knew about God. So like the first time like I was exposed to the gospel, like that's what I was able to cling to. Mm-hmm. was not like Noah's Ark and Adam and Eve and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it was the gospel and what Christ did on the cross for us. And that's what I focused on, not all these other stories that we try to like entice kids to make the Bible seem <laughs> cool, but yeah. it was the gospel. So I think knowing the gospel, having a firm foundation in the gospel is what kept me throughout all all those years of just struggling with sin and like not being confident that I was saved but just knowing the gospel knowing um the depth of my sin and that it was forgiven on that day that Christ was hung hanging on the cross mm-hmm. like he carried the weight of all my sin he carried the weight of my sin that i would commit tomorrow that i would commit five years from now it was all forgiven on that day mm-hmm. you know two thousand or so years ago so that's what i i could focus on instead of just wallowing my in my sin feeling ashamed but understanding that it was forgiven but also like Every single sin that I commit in the future is putting more and more weight on the cross of Christ. Like, that's something that's confusing to wrap our heads around, kind of, because it's not linear. It's kind of outside of time. But that's what God is. God's eternal. Mm -hmm. Um, So understanding how that works is uh, realized. You know, I was making the 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 crucifixion more and more terrible, more and more painful. Mm-hmm. I think that's like, I guess, like growing up in the church for me. Like, I was that child that remembered all those Bible stories about like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and mm-hmm. like Noah's Ark and stuff. And like, you grow up with the story of the crucifixion, but like, it never really hit me or mm-hmm. really struck home. But like, when it did, it was like wait, what? Like, God went through that, and, like, crucifixion itself was, like, the Romans' version of, like, the worst torture that they could come up Mm. with, and he went through that, like, just to save you and me, and, like, when that really does hit home, like, when the gospel, like, like, lands right on your heart, you're like, snap. It is. I don't know why we, you know, beat around the bush when it comes to the crucifixion. Like, the Bible is rated R. (laughs) Like, that's what I've been saying a lot. We don't need to sugarcoat it. Like, that that's the truth of how terrible it was. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know, like, teaching five-year-old kids about, like, the deep depths of, you know, what Jesus suffered cannot really resonate with yeah. them. But, like, you can still talk about the crucifixion. You can still talk about, like, somebody sacrificing their life for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up in the church, I didn't feel like that was really a focal point. It was, I mean, it just felt like it was another story about the Bible, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It just never really, like, hit home. You yeah, know? It, never, like, it never really hit home. You would just say, oh, Jesus died for me, but it was super surface, surface level. Yeah, like, 
honestly don't really remember them talking to us much, you know, about, like, Jesus and his sacrifice. Like, I mean, like, they did, but, like, it's not till like, you really get older to, like, maybe, like, you're, like, 12-ish that they really start to talk to you about, like, what the crucifixion was and what that meant and, like, what that means to you and me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in a way, like, I get what you're saying, like... Yeah. We're not teaching our kids what we should because, like, even when you're five, what you can understand, let's teach them at least that mm-hmm. because ultimately that's what's going to, like, hit home. That's what they're going to, That's like, what convert. saves. Mm-hmm. The gospel is what saves, not Noah's Ark. The story of Noah's Ark saves nobody. <laughs> no. The gospel does. <laughs> True. So you went through, like, you were saying, like, seven years of these ups and downs. And, like, do you mind if I asked you, like, why was that? Like, what's happening? Yeah, a lot happened in that time (laughs) period. Like, that's when, like, a lot of my life happened. Mm -hmm. But, like, there was no, like, really significant, significant moments in that time. Really? It was just, it felt super long from, like, <laughs> like my high school and my years in college. So, yeah, eight years, whatever. Um, but, you know, I really struggled with sin in that period of time. I struggled with pornography. Um, I struggled with my pride a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of um, sin, even though... You know, I got I was baptized my senior year in high school, and like the sin didn't leave because I mean baptism doesn't Does it, save. Yeah, um, baptism is just a sign of of or a proclamation of your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout that time, like I I still struggled. I could never like I never had the desire to read. Really? So reading my Bible is very hard for me. <laughs> I I am easily distracted. I'll read, you know, two pages in the Bible, and I'll be I'll be like thinking, I'm like, what did I just read? I have no idea. I can't remember a, a, a single thing. Yeah. So like, I'm just so distracted, um, and like, I never took it super seriously either. Like, um. We, uh, like, my my idea of being a Christian was super different than what the Bible's idea, or the, what the Bible says being a Christian is like. I thought being a Christian is like, you go to church every Sunday, you know, you uh, read your Bible at home occasionally, you, um, you pray in the morning, you pray when you eat, you pray when you go to sleep. And you just um, you bring your kids to church, and that's how you live out the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so, like looking at that, you're like nothing's really special about that. No. So I was like teetering on this fence of like, do I want to be a Christian? Like, because I believed in God, mm-hmm. but I'm like, do I want to live out my life like this? Or do I want to have enjoyment in my life? Because that life doesn't sound very, you know. Yeah, it doesn't really sound very Enticing fun. to people. No. And I think that, like, we've been talking about this a lot this summer is, you know, how the church has failed us. And um, 
the church in general, like the body of Christ and how like they they need to, you know, the gospel and living for Christ is dangerous. Yeah. It's it's exciting too. And so, you know, them advertising a life of Christ as this uh boring, safe thing is not, you know, enticing at all. Yeah. To some people. Like the popular idea of Christianity is like you go to church every week, like you're saying, you take your kids, you pay your tithe or whatever, and you get baptized and you do all of these great, you know, you just do you live this nominal little life mm-hmm. and then you're blessed and you don't have to deal with all these trials. But the reality of Christianity yeah. is very different. It's more than just like taking your kids to church or paying your tithe or showing up every week. Like that's a great foundation, but it's deeper than that. You know, it's like reading your Bible, building a relationship, you know, praying, learn to talk with God and like witnessing and sharing, you know, your story, your faith, pouring into people. And that comes with trials. Like it's going to be like some of the hardest things that you're ever going to do. It's going to break you. It will destroy lies that you believe about yourself in great ways and in bad ways. Mm-hmm. It's the gospel costs something, and it costs a lot. And I was mm-hmm. reading this parable once, and it talks about the seed. And unless the seed dies, it doesn't produce grain. And I guess I was having a really prophetic moment, and I wrote next to it, I'm like, the cost of spreading the gospel is dying to yourself. Mm-hmm. All your selfishness has to go away in order to spread it. And it's an awful thing to go through because your flesh is like, no, I don't want to die. Yeah. But going through it and coming out the other side and like bits of your flesh dying off, it's the greatest thing because you go through, I went to this evangelistic school in Pennsylvania. I'd never been outside of the Pacific Northwest before. And then I went on a mission trip to Cuba and like, Mm -hmm. I never would have done that before, but like following God and sharing, you know, like your story, your testimony, like spreading your faith, like it's exciting, it's fun, it's scary Mm -hmm. and it's painful, but like, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, like um, early in the summer, we were evangelizing in McCall. Oh, yeah. And like it took a lot of people out of their comfort zone, Mm -hmm. especially to just walk up to a random stranger. And in these times where (laughs) coronavirus is very, uh, you know, a problem and headlines everywhere, everybody's concerned about it. And you're just walking up to people and you're like, can I pray for you? Can I put can I put my hand on you and all this? And I mean, when I went, I, I prayed for a few people. Um, but like, you know, I wasn't really concerned at all. I wasn't really afraid. But that was probably because I live in Racine and we're in McCall. I'm never going to meet any of these people in my life again. So I just might as well share the gospel with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't really know where I was going with that story, but... A great story. <laughs> yeah, it's still a great story of, like... Don't be afraid to Don't be afraid them. to evangelize. And, like, who cares what somebody... what What the person thinks... 
you know, that you're saying to them. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have any bearing on you. And, yeah, sometimes you can come across people that challenge you. But if we're really, um, you know, if we're steeped in the Word, if we are, um, you know, following the Holy Spirit's discernment, God will, will... you know, he will help us in those times. He will guide us. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing to be worried about because um, we can have peace in in understanding and knowing of how sovereign God is. Yeah. And that if somebody says no, if somebody has a hardened heart, that's, you know... I mean, at least you tried, you know, at least yeah. you planted a seed or you attempted something, you know, like that it's not your fault, like mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. So that's that's all our responsibility is to to plant the seed it is it's not to grow it. It's not to to, you know, shove the seed in the <laughs> soil and, you know, keep on begging for it to grow. Mm-hmm. But it's it's showing love too like that's something that i've learned throughout this internship is how much um showing love can impact somebody's life because people view christianity very negatively and that's because a lot of people don't show love they show judgment Mm -hmm. and so when you come at them first and you show love you show the the love of christ and that's that's their first introduction to what the gospel is. Not, oh, you're a sinner, you're going to go to hell, but it's the love that you show to them. They're way more like, like this is something that is, is cool. This is something that's awesome. And so I can get behind this instead of being judged instantly. Um, so I think when you're sharing the gospel, you just come to people with love and it makes it so much more easier mm-hmm. because they don't feel like you're judging them. They don't feel like you're uh, you put yourself on this high pedestal, but you're you're being selfless to them. You're being genuine. Because mm-hmm. true love, like true love, like it's not like the super huge imbalance of power. Like you can both choose to walk away from that relationship or whatever. It's like meeting them on equal ground. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a person and I'm different, but I still care about you yeah. and you still have value to me. So, like, when you turn away from me or not, then it hurts me. Like, I'm losing something out of this. Mm-hmm. So, Jared, obviously you've grown in your faith a lot. So, like, what was the turning point from, like, this seven years of up and downs? So, what brought you, like, here? It's very recent. Like... I would say the turning point was about eight or nine months ago where I was like really like this is what the gospel is. This is what truly surrendering our lives to Christ is like laying down all of our wants, all of our desires, like opening up our hand mm-hmm. and being like, all right, this is my life, God. You can take um, you can take anything out of it. You can put something in it like like. That's what my life is going to be. It's going to be my offering. Mm. And so, you know, allowing Christ to decide what my offering is going to be has, like, really impacted, you know, these past eight months because it's kind of like 
it's worked out perfectly so far. Like I, you know, I went on this sabbatical, um, which was a two month trip out west, living in the back of um, my grandpa's van and just um, seeking full dependence on God, like really relying on God through that time for everything. And the amount that God grew me in that time, like, helped me get to the next stage. Like, the the growth allowed me to um, dedicate my summer to this internship. That's when I had the interview. Um, and that's when I made the decision to come out this summer. And then right after I did that, like a few days later, my boss was like, all right, we have more work for you. Because that's what uh, allowed me to go on the sabbatical was that we got laid off. Mm-hmm. So I I was laid off for two months. And then right when I made the decision to come out uh, to Alaska for the summer, my boss was like, all right, I got more work for you. And he was like, all right, you can start when you get back, which was only like you know a week from then. And then the end date of the contract was six days before the internship started. Really? And that's just God providing like, here, this is what you need to do until mm-hmm. then. So that allowed me to, you know, have trust in God for the next step. And then eventually the step after this, which I'm not too sure about, <laughs> but like I've got a plan, like, or like God has, has, showed me some routes that I could take. Mm-hmm. And so just knocking on every door that that um God puts in front of me and and you know testing it and wa- and trying to walk through it instead of just sitting back and waiting and being afraid to make anything but just truly walking um in front or or walking just with faith and trust in God is is very um encouraging to my walk with Christ because he is he has provided for me mm-hmm. for the past eight months and he is um he hasn't let me down in his you know plan for my life like I I, I know what it is I know what he wants me to do um in regards to what's right in front of me because I'm trying to figure out what verse this is. I think it's a psalm. It's in the the Christian pledge too. So, um, but it's talking about God's word being a lamp into our feet and a light into and a light path. unto our path. And so, that's what it is. It's right at our feet. It's not all the way down the road lighting up what's down there, but it's lighting up what's in front of us. Mm-hmm. So we're walking, we're walking. And when when we approach something, you know, we handle it and then we keep walking. We don't have any idea of what lies beyond the, the path for the next however many miles. But that trust that the word gives us, you know, that it, it strengthens in us mm-hmm. um, really, really has strengthened my relationship with God. Definitely. 
God's just, he's right there. He's showing us right before us and helping us get through the mm. first obstacle that's right there. And I'm a planner. And so mm. this drives me crazy. It's like, yep. Lord, I want to know what's happening, you know, for the next couple of years. But no, like, it's like, God's like, we're going to work on right, what's in front of our feet, what we're dealing with yep. right now. That's what we're going to focus on. Yeah. And so you mentioned that God opened up the doors for Alaka. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to mention like how Alaka has been working in your life or how your testimonies from here. Um, yeah. Alaka has really um, been a time of learning and um, because it's an internship. Mm-hmm. But it's not solely focused on like us giving all of our time to be workers, but we're also being trained up here. We're, um, we go through gospel training and we learn how to share our testimonies. And when I came here, I was never like super confident in my testimony. Like my testimony was all over the place. I never knew like uh when to say this when to say that it was just super messy (laughs) yeah and like I don't know like a week (laughs) or two after we like we go through the training and whatever like my testimony is like leaps and and bounds way better than when I came here my my ability to share the gospel is is better like I'm learning to more to rely on the Holy Spirit when when to include this in conversation, when to say this in a conversation instead of just approaching somebody and being like, do you know who Jesus Christ is, you know, and just spewing out the gospel in 90 seconds to them. But really, um, these training uh, sessions of like, you are put in front of a person that is playing a character and you have to, um, you know, find out more about their life, find out what trials they're um, they're going through, and you have to do this. And they're they're kind of being a little standoffish too, if that's their the role of their character. They they might need a little um, persuasion or a little, um, you know, you asking follow up questions in order to get in order to get these answers out of them. So that's really like allowed me to be more relational mm. um, and intentional with my questions with with people and not just instantly going to God every time. So Yeah, because like sometimes people ask a question and that's not really the question they're asking you. Like they'll fail it. Yeah. They'll be like, well, what do you think of this? And it's like, where are you coming from? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, just learning to like connect with them and like understand where they're coming yep. from and what they're really asking you like mm-hmm. definitely yeah. very important and like that interaction that you have with them it it probably like it it could just be an interaction that's not you know gospel centered mm-hmm. but you're still showing the love of Christ in that in that moment it could be the next interaction because you didn't scare them off with the gospel <laughs> So it's the next interaction and the interaction after that where you can truly um, show them more of Christ's love and also show them the truth of, you know, why we're here on this earth. Mm -hmm. Just building that relationship Mm -hmm. and, like, 
intentionality in that and just being like, you know, I'm here for you, you know, like I'm mm -hmm. someone you can come talk to if you've got a problem or, you know, I'm just here, like, you know, just working on those steps, like what's right in front of you. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool.